Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Crying is for when there's nothing else left to do. Tommy Orange, they're there. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today I'm joined by our shop manager, Olivia Schaefer, and we're talking about bookshelf bingo. That's what this is called, right? Yes. <laughs> That's what I've been referring <laughs> to it as. <laughs> I panic. So we have a 2020 reading challenge. We launched it back in January. Um, if I do say so myself, it's a very cute little bingo card. It is cute. We sent it out with our shelf subscriptions, I think, last month. But we have also posted about it to Instagram stories. But we've gotten a lot of questions about suggestions for how to complete their bingo card, meaning books to fulfill the reading challenge. So we're finishing, right, the first quarter of the year. So it felt like a good time to kind of evaluate. So we're going to go through these categories. If you're not familiar with our bookshelf bookish bingo challenge, you can find it on Instagram. I'll make sure to post a picture of our bingo cards. If you are local, you can pick up a card at the bookshelf. And otherwise, it's available on Instagram stories, so you can complete it digitally. And we're just going to work our way through this list. There are nine categories and I I loved the categories. It was hard to come up with categories that other bookstores or book bloggers had not already come up with for their reading challenges because reading challenges are, are like a thing now. But we're going to work our way through. The first category is a book written the year the bookshelf was founded, which is 1982. Um, that one was hard. Yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> to be fair, though, there were a lot of books published in 1982. There were. Yeah. More than I thought more there were going to be. Too. And more recognizable titles than I thought yeah. there were going to be. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. I did not know if there would be a lot to choose from because yeah. I didn't choose the bookshelf's founding date. The bookshelf chose. So I couldn't. <laughs> it just sounded so serious. <laughs> I couldn't pick it. So yeah. tell me what you would read or what books you found. Okay. So I was a huge Sandra Boynton fan. Okay. When I was a baby, we had almost all of her books, but not the Hippopotamus came out okay. that year. And so did Opposites, another really that good a one. Cute one. And then the BFG. That's one of mine. I've never read the BFG, and it's Jordan's favorite role doll. Is it? Yeah. I'm sure I read it as a very young child. And now I can't remember it. But I like I have I feel fondly of it. Right. So I'm sure I liked it. I'm familiar with the story, but I am pretty confident I did not read it. Although sometimes when you pick up books you read in childhood or you didn't think you read, you realize you did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're a grown up now. I know I was a bigger James and the Giant Peach fan. Okay, yes. That was my favorite role doll. And I did read that one. So, yeah, the BFG was on my list as well. Yeah. What else you got? Anything? Um, I thought this was fun. Sue Grafton, the first of her alphabet murders, came out that year. Oh, that is fun. I thought that was a nice little tribute to her because she didn't get to finish. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. I know. I'm sorry to bring that that up. (laughs) 
But A is for Alibi came out that year. Okay. I think 1982 must have been a popular year for thrillers because it yes. felt like Stephen King had a lot of books. He had like three or four. I couldn't tell from the lists I was looking at. Were some of these like published in paperback? Like yeah. why on earth? It just felt like he had at least three books published in 1982. Yeah. I came upon a, a bunch. Yeah. So the BFG was on my list. And then the other one, I have never read any Isabel Allende. And she oh. has one that looks really good called The House of Spirits. And I was intrigued by it because it's like a multi-generational family story. Almost looked like, oh, however many, however many years of solitude, Gabrielle. hundred? Yeah. Blink, I think it's a hundred. <laughs> a century, how, if you will. How, how many years of solitude? Yeah. Uh, Just a couple. So anyway, it sounds like as if it's in the same vein as that book. And I love that book. Mm. So The House of Spirits by Isabel Allende would be... Either or that or the BFG would be my pick for that category. Okay, next we have a book by an indigenous author. And you asked a good question about this. I guess when I wrote this, I just meant indigenous to their place. Okay. So that's what I was wondering. Yeah. And then uh, as I was getting into my searching, I was like, she could have just meant Native American. Yeah. I think I really meant like indigenous, because what if. We have some Canadian listeners, like indigenous yeah. to your area. So I guess that would be – is that would that even be considered maybe own voices? I guess so. That's yeah. I think so. Yeah. So, But with a focus on Native peoples, I guess. Yeah. Okay. What did you find? I have quite the list here. Okay. I I don't have a huge list for this. Okay. Um, but my first one was Pashmina by Nidhi Chanani. Okay. Um, this was a graphic novel that I read, a middle grade oh. graphic novel about a girl who her family immigrated from India to the United States, and okay. she just felt like she had no connection to it, uh-huh. but her parents loved it so much, but they didn't want to talk about it because they were so sad to leave. Uh, okay. And then her grandmother gives her this scarf, and it's this magical scarf where every time she puts it on, she gets to experience India, and she kind of learns uh, about her heritage oh, that that's way. that's cool. It was really good. Yeah. And then my other one was, and this was one that I read in college, Post reading slump. Okay. Hump. Yep. You know, yes. everyone goes through that slump. Yes. And then We're I don't know about you, but then like my school all of a sudden gave me some really good books. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I do love this again. Yes. This was one of them, The Space Between Us by Thritti Umrigar. Oh. But this was, yeah, it was so I've good. I read this. This was again based in India and it was about a wife and her maid and their relationship because. Oh. It was very much like they wanted to be friends, but due to the culture, they couldn't. Yeah, the class culture. And it was, it was so interesting and so well done. Oh, that sounds good. It was really good. So I've read There, There by Tommy Orange, which I quoted from at the top of the episode. I loved that book. I thought it was excellent. I think it would be very accessible. It's extremely timely, pretty much no matter what year we're in. But I thought it was excellently done, excellently written. But I have never read Louise Erdrich. Um, oh, And so yeah. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. So I listed The Roundhouse. I mean, she's got a lot of books to choose from, but the one that I'm most intrigued by is The Roundhouse. Although also the Birchbark House series is supposed to be, I mean, a lot of us, right, grew up with Little House on the Prairie. And I'm not here to bash those books because I think they're really dear to a lot of us. But admittedly, they're a one-sided <laughs> version of the American, uh, the founding of the American West. And so I think 
if you're going to read those books alongside your kids or if you're going to revisit them, I think perhaps pairing them with Louise Erdrich's The Birch Box. The Birch, The Birch Box, that's a different, that's a makeup box. I'm 90% sure. Oh, you're right, it is. <laughs> the Birch Bark House series, I think, would be a good book to kind of pair with Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> then I was thinking of The Heartbeat of Wounded Knee. That one came up a lot when <gasps> I was searching for so them. so good. And yeah. it's nonfiction. And I think as much as I appreciate a good novel, I really would be curious. It's supposed to really kind of, again, tell the, tell the maybe more accurate story of the founding of the American West. And I don't know. I think this was, I want to say was it published last year? It was like a best book, whatever year it came out of 2019. It was popular. I was going to say 2018 because I think the paperback came out last year. So the New York Times featured it. Like it was kind of one of those books that was everywhere. It's by David Truer. I, this one, if I had to pick one, I think I would probably pick this one, The Heartbeat of Wounded Knee. I also am curious about Where the Dead Sit Talking by Brandon Mm. Hobson, which has gotten a lot of buzz. And then When I did a Google search, which is how I came up with some of these categories and how I kind of brainstormed for my own selections, a book called This is Paradise came up and it's by an indigenous Hawaiian woman. And so it's kind of weaves stories and fables, but of her native Hawaii. And I know nobody's traveling right now, (laughs) but it just made me think, gosh, if I ever got the chance to go to Hawaii, I think that would be the book you should read because again, I feel like we as Americans, for better or worse, kind of tend to write our own mm-hmm. stories where we're the hero or what, where the white person is the hero. I think that d- needs to be corrected. And so I like the idea of maybe before you leave for your Hawaiian vacation, hopefully we're taking vacations one day <laughs> in the future, like to read about the actual history of a place I think would be important. And I know nothing about Hawaii, like nothing. Hawaii is fascinating, <laughs> Annie. I, I have not learned anything. I don't think I studied they that They once big had school. like a king and queen and then we came over and just basically bought them out. Right. Which, it was crazy. When I say for better or worse, that's for worse. <laughs> Like, I want to be clear. Like, that is on the bad side of the line. I'd like to be clear about what I think about that. Um, so anyway, okay. So this book sounds really interesting and would teach me, I think, about Hawaii, but also weave in fables and stories mm-hmm. about the Native culture. So it's called This is Paradise. Yeah, there are a lot of good books in this category. So yeah. I think you've got a lot of wiggle room. Okay, my favorite, I think naturally the uh, the genre on this bingo card I gravitate toward, a newsy nonfiction title. Oh, and this was the one truly that I dreaded. <laughs> that's, that's, that's something I think. I feel like that's accurate. It's like, I'd rather not live in this world right now, but sure, what let's talk about find? it. What did you find? Okay, well, I did not go political. Okay. But I did, so like the one nonfiction book that I read last year, Brief Answers to Big Questions by Stephen Hawking. Okay, yeah. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. And I do think it's a good book for everyone to read because at some point we're going to be too large for this world. (laughs) And we're going to have, guys, we're going to have to go into space (laughs) and it's going to be okay. We're going to colonize. We've done it before. It's how America started. All right? I love it. (laughs) Are you going to volunteer to go? No. (laughs) <laughs> Never too scared. Yes. <laughs> we'll die here. <laughs> yeah, it's not for me. It's no, not for me. Not for me. I think Walt would. Oh, were he given like were he alone, he would do that. Yeah, for sure he would. 
that would be like a major dream for him. I'm not interested. That I would be like, you go do that. <laughs> I'll stay here. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll hold down the fort. And then my other one was Maybe You Should Talk to Somebody by Lori Gottlieb. I'm really curious about that book. I know. And, then- and I think right now everyone needs to talk to someone. <laughs> Yeah, virtually, unfortunately. Yes, Lots not face-to-face. Lots of virtual face. therapy is happening. Okay, I just ran through the books that have caught my attention and that I have read in the past couple years. Dope Sick mm. by Beth Macy immediately came to mind. She Said or Catch and Kill or Unbelievable, if you want to. <laughs> I, I hesitate to say if you want to, but if you are curious or need to read a book about maybe the Me Too movement or sexual assault or anything like that, then I highly recommend She Said. Unbelievable. I'm curious about the Netflix show I thought was phenomenal. Um, And I really liked Catch and Kill. That's the Ronan Farrow. Uh, But if you're going to pick between Catch and Kill and She Said, I really like She Said for the deep dive you kind of get into the journalistic elements of that story. I also thought about Bad Blood. That was the audiobook Jordan and I listened to. That story is bonkers about Elizabeth Holmes. So that's kind of the direction I went, where it's something in the news or something happening culturally, and you want Mm. to kind of do a deep dive, something that a podcast won't give you, like a book will give you more information about. So that's kind of where my brain went. I'm very curious about your answer for this one. This is my other favorite category, a book your favorite aunt read and loved. So I texted my Aunt Nancy last night. (laughs) I love it. Aunt Nancy. Is she older aunt or younger aunt? Um, What do you mean by that? Like, I feel like you've got every family has like the young, cool aunt and then the maybe older grandmotherly aunt. Oh, this is young, cool aunt. Okay. By far. Young, cool aunt. See, but do you agree? Yes. Yeah. I now understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The first one she said is Man Called Uwe. Oh. Yeah. That's a good book. I think you'd like it. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know why I said thank you to that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that amazing compliment. (laughs) Thinking I would like a book. Um, The next one she said is The Wild, which I didn't have a chance to look up, but I can only imagine it's Wild by Cheryl Strayed. I would think so. I would. That would seem more up up her alley, too. Yeah. Um, And then the last one, she read The Velvet Claws recently, which was the very first Perry Mason, which was the book my grandfather was cremated with. Oh, and now it's one of her cool. favorite books. Oh, so that's a cool story. Yeah. Have you read that? I have a okay. while ago. Yeah. So I don't fully remember it. Could be a fun one to revisit. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. You went above and beyond. I did not text my aunt. Look, I have <laughs> lots of aunts, but you do have lots of aunts. I don't have that many aunts to choose from. You have a God, lot. Of aunts. I have so many. You know half of them. Like you know some of them. They've I know here. maybe like a fifth of them. I, yeah, I was gonna say not half because I actually do have so many aunts. My mom is one of eight children, so I have a lot of aunts. But my Aunt Lisa and I read very similarly. Mm-hmm. So I immediately was kind of like, no, I want to think outside the box here. So my Aunt Nina is my older grandmotherly aunt because she's the eldest of the eight children. So she is like... She does the paint by numbers? Yes, she does the paint by numbers. She's a retired educator. She taught for like 20 plus years in Tallahassee. And she is obsessed with the royal family. And Mm -hmm. uh, she read a lot of the... Oh gosh, I never know. Philippa Gregory? Is that how you say that name? I think so. Um, But I thought, okay, she also, my aunt loves nonfiction, historical nonfiction. So Elizabeth the Queen is one of her favorites by Sally Bedell Smith. 
And then a new book that my aunt just read, she purchased here at the bookshelf, The Other Side of the Coin by Angela Kelly. She's the dresser of the queen. Oh, okay. Yeah. We sold a bunch of those. We did. And I have never, I am obsessed with English royalty in the sense that I'm obsessed with them in a pop culture kind of way. So like Harry and Meghan. Harry and Meghan. Got the names right, everybody. <laughs> They're like up in my office right now, just chilling. Um but I, my aunt loves the historical value of okay. the royal family. And I think that is not really something I have ever done a huge deep dive into. And so I think it would be fun to utilize this category to read about the history of the British monarchy. So the, this is more recent, but she also loves like reading about like the first queens. Like mm. I'm, and I can't even name them because I'm not good at that. But she like, she loves reading historical nonfiction about the British family lineage, like the British royal family. Yeah. So I, I think, think that is interesting. I think it's interesting too, but yeah. I think what would hold my attention most would be to read about Queen Elizabeth. Uh huh. So I thought this would be a good place to start. Elizabeth the Queen by Sally Bedell Smith, or The Other Side of the Coin by Angela Kelly. Um, I think that's so fun because everybody has an aunt who reads, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't you feel like everybody's got an aunt who? Yeah. I feel like that's true. For sure. Okay, a work that became an Oscar winner. Okay, this is another hard one because, as you know, <laughs> I don't watch movies. As you so, know, you notoriously thought rated our <laughs> movies were called PG-18. <laughs> Which, you know what? Technically, I feel like they are. So still counting that one is correct. Um, some of these might not be Oscar winners. They might That's have just fine. been either Oscar nominees. mentions okay. or nominees. <laughs> sure. Nominees. Good term. Okay. Okay. Um, Lord of the Rings, haven't read the book, but I'd be interested in doing it. Yeah. I've watched all the movies and I really loved them. Oh, did you? I did. So Jordan, as you might guess, loves those books. That would make sense. Loves those movies. When we were in college, I think they were kind of, they had just come out on DVD. I'm not sure. Yeah. But we were like with a group of friends and truly they ruined me forever. I, because he, we watched (laughs) them in this large group where there were super fans in the room, including Jordan. And they're looking at you for, like, the reaction. Oh, I hate that. And I couldn't give it because I really – I am not – like, truly Harry Potter is about as otherworldly as I get. (laughs) And so I was like, none of the – I'm distracted by their ears. Like, nothing is interesting (laughs) to me. Why are their ears pointing? And then, worst of all, the group kept pointing out when something – I'll never forget it – when something was extended. They were like, this is part of the extended version. Like – Every time something extra came on the screen. And I told Jordan, I was like, you ruined this for me. And that's fine. Like, cause you can still have it. It's yours. I won't judge you about it. But like, I'm not interested in Lord of the Rings at all, which kind of breaks my heart a little. Yeah. I, Leslie, noped Walt. Uh, into watching all Harry Potters and all Lord of the Rings. Okay. So. You and Jordan are the same then. What? (laughs) No. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But I'd be interested in reading the book. Okay. My dad has, and he's loved them. Okay. Um, My next one is First Man. Oh, yeah. It looks so good. The movie was really good, so I bet the book would be too. I think the book would be. Um, And then The Goldfinch, not sure if that happened at all. You know, I think it was nominated for <laughs> maybe a Razzie. Like those, a Razzie? Those are the worst movies of the year. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then this next one isn't going to work either. <laughs> now, there may have been some, like, small category. Not small. No category is small. <laughs> there may have been some other lesser known categories the Goldfinch was recognized for. But anyway. Um <laughs> 
Actually, so this one, I, I am, it might have won something. The Martian by Andy Ware. It Did was that nominated. One? Okay. It was nominated. Such yeah. a good book. And they got to book. include a lot that they couldn't fit into the movie. I liked the book way more than the movie. It was, it was one of those where you were all of a sudden finished and you're like, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that book was really good. Yeah. And then lastly, just because I have to. Okay. Because it's the one movie I watched last year. Okay. Not <laughs> Oscar nominated. And I know this. <laughs> But T.S. Eliot wrote The Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, which then got turned into the Broadway musical Cats, which then got adapted into the movie Cats. <laughs> which Olivia was one of 50 Americans <laughs> to love that movie. <laughs> There's like a small population. You have to know how to appreciate it. Yeah, that I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's true. Okay, I'm actually surprised you didn't mention one of mine. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, man. Okay. What did I I miss? Well, just because I think you would like it. Okay, so I wanted – I picked three that I would be interested in reading and I have not read. So one of mine is No Country for Old Men, which Mm. I love that movie. I think that movie is outstanding and weirdly rewatchable. But I've never read the book by Cormac McCarthy. Bonus points, my brother is a huge Cormac McCarthy fan and he is always begging me to read those books and I never have. So that would be – you could kill two birds with one stone. Silver Linings Playbook is a movie I loved. The book was by Matthew Quick and I never read it. I heard it was a pretty loose adaptation – But I think I read another book by Matthew Quick, and I liked it. So I'm curious about it. Again, loved the movie. The one I thought you might mention, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, see? Don't watch that movie. Too scary. Have you ever seen it? Um, I have listened to it while Walt is watching it, and I'm reading a book. Oh, I heard the screams coming out of that basement. (laughs) I am not okay with it. Wait, have you read the book? No. (gasps) Okay, so I maybe I could handle the book. Yeah, I would love to read the book. That movie, my cool Aunt Lisa and Uncle Ray, they were my cool aunt and uncle back in the day. They're cool now, but like they're super cool. You know, they were they were younger than my parents. So we they introduced me, Uncle Ray took me to my first PG thirteen movie. Frequency, and then I don't even know what that is <laughs> with Dennis Quaid. And then, but I saw my first R-rated movie with them. They let me watch Silence of the Lambs at their house. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but I loved scary movies, and that movie is terrifying. It is since oh. chills up your spine. But I've never read the book, and I think I'd really like to. So I Silence bet I could the handle the book. Yeah. Okay, foodie memoir with a recipe you'll try. Is Walt into foodie memoirs? Did he help um, you with this he, category? I did have him help me with this yeah. category um, because, as you may know, <laughs> I am a picky eater. Therefore, foodie memoirs are not my genre. Yeah, that's fair. I just don't appreciate it as much as everybody else yeah, would. Yeah, you'd rather eat so. chicken fingers, and that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, he, the first one he said was Flour and Water by Thomas McNaughton. This is about a San Francisco startup, but it's all about how to make homemade pastas and breads and how they eventually started their store in San Francisco. Oh, that's cool. And it's both a cookbook and a memoir, but it's it looks just like a cookbook. Okay. But it has memoir throughout Ooh, it. Ooh, I might like that. Okay. And then I just had him list he he doesn't read a lot of memoirs that have recipes in them. Okay. But I was like, what are your all-time favorite food memoirs? Okay. And Walt is a chef, so he skews to the chef side of the kitchen, not the food critic side. Okay. Um his top one was The Apprentice by Jacques Papin, who I then had to ask who that was. It is apparently a famous chef. <laughs> I was gonna say, does my silence tell you that I also <laughs> like chicken fingers? Like <laughs> 
There's two meat eaters sitting here. Uh, okay. I know. I had no idea either. Okay. Apparently, he's like a real famous chef. Okay. Not sure. But this is about how he like got started in the kitchen and came up. Oh, okay. Um, which kitchen life is is rough. Oh, look. I My list – I actually love foodie memoirs, weirdly, for somebody – who cooks only Blue Apron meals, like only <laughs> what those cards tell me to cook. Uh, but you can aspire to like, yeah. oh, that looks so good. Well, I'll I just love, sit there and be like, meh. Like I love reading. I think it's also that I just love when people are really good at what they do. Oh, yeah. I, I love that. And so when there is a book written by a person who clearly loves food, I then love food. Gotcha. Does that make sense? It does. And I wish I felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like such a nice way to read a book. <laughs> it is. It's delightful. The other one he mentioned was Devil in the Kitchen by Marco Pierre White, another very good chef, just a memoir of how he came up in the kitchen. Okay. And he did say, if you're going to read an Anthony Bourdain, his favorite is the first one, Kitchen Confidential. I wondered if he liked Kitchen Confidential. Yeah. Okay. So mine are more on the food writer side of things. Okay. Except my first one won't surprise you at all. Called Supper of the Lamb. It's by a Catholic priest. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this book is so beautiful and interesting. It's really all about food, and he weaves in stories of faith, but mostly it's just about food and how much he loved food. I will never forget one of the lines that has stuck with me all this time is he talks about like each chapter is kind of about something different, and there are recipes woven in, but, like, about making your own bone broth, stuff I will never do. Like, mm. not to be mean. I'm just not going to do that. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't think. I guess never say never. But anyway, reading about it, though, was so – how he writes about it is so beautiful, and then he ties it into maybe a spiritual truth of some kind. So, for example, my favorite line that has stuck with me forever is he talks about chopping a carrot, and he – the line is so simple, but he's like, when you chop a carrot – just chop the carrot. And I've always thought about that because then he ties it into we're so busy multitasking. And his whole point is do one thing. Just do one thing. Just chop the carrot. Just chop the carrot. I I love it so much. I think it's so beautiful. So it's called Supper of the Lamb by Robert Farrar Capone. I think this also holds a deep place in my heart because my brother and I we're not living in the same city at the time, but we both read this simultaneously and then talked about it. It was very fun. Okay. Then I have to mention Save Me the Plums by Ruth Reichel. I really like her. I also wanted to mention the book I've never read by her, but I think it's actually her first more well-known book called Tender at the Bone. I've never read it, but it would for sure be on my list. Walt's suggestions also made me want to mention the book Delancey by Molly Weisenberg. Mm. Uh, she and her husband are no longer together, but they she wrote this book about the pizzeria they started out, I think it's in Washington State. And I read it right when I was taking over the bookshelf. And it's so much about entrepreneurship. It will also make you really grateful to not own a restaurant. Or it will make you want to own a restaurant. Depends on which category you (laughs) fall in. Um, But I thought it was really great. And then Bread and Wine by Shauna Nequist, to me, is beautifully written. And also every chapter ends in an actual recipe that you will actually want to try. So I actually made her blueberry something. Something. I made something with blueberries <laughs> and it was really good. And I made her Molly Weisenberg's chocolate cake. So there are the occasional food memoirs where I actually do try a recipe from them. Mm-hmm. So Supper of the Lamb is more aspirational. Bread and wine is more, um, you can try these in your real life. Okay. A novel about the immigrant experience. Okay. So many good ones. There's a lot for this one. Yes. 
Another throwback to my college years finding books I actually liked was Infidel uh, by Ayan Hirsi Ali. She left in a state of refuge, Iran. Okay. Uh, because of a bunch of reasons, but there was a man who she was set up to marry, and she did not want to marry him, so she fled, uh, along with a bunch of other very obvious problems in that country. (laughs) (laughs) Is this a memoir? Yes. She wrote this? Okay. It is. Um, And then she ended up becoming an activist for women of her religion. Okay. Um, It was really, really well done. Oh, I think I'd like to read that. It came out in like probably early 2000s. It was a while. But it was one of the ones where I traded it with my professor turned mentor for – she gave me like letters from uh, Simone de Beauvoir's husband that he would like – Jean-Paul Sartre. Oh, cool. It was – yeah, it was cool. My other one, another graphic novel, Be Prepared by Vera Brosgol. Um, This is a middle grade – Graphic novel. I was about to say, is it the graphic novel? Is it the yeah. camping one? Yes. Okay. This is about a girl. Her family emigrated from Russia. Oh. And she goes, she spends her, like, first summer here at a Russian summer camp. And I did not know that's what that was about. Yeah. I just knew it was about a camp. Yeah. Oh, that's very fun. She goes to this Russian summer camp and hates it at first and okay. then figures out a way to like it. Her little brother is, like, all about this. Okay. But it was it was both funny and very truthful for that age. Okay. Oh, I think I'd like to read that. I put in A Very Large Expanse of Sea by Tahiri Mafi. Oh, so good. It's so good. So good. Um, and then We Are Not From Here, Jenny Torres Sanchez. It comes out in May, and I read it. Oh, did you? I didn't know. It's that. really good. Okay. It's about – an. The author is Guatemalan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And this is about three teenagers who are coming, escaping Guatemala, and they go up through Mexico to enter the United States. Okay. And it is their, the hardship of their journey up there. But it's so compelling because you just need to know if those teenagers made it or not. Ooh, that sounds good. It was really good. Okay. My three are books that I've wanted to read and have not yet. So one is called The Book of Unknown Americans by Christina Henriquez. This is highly recommended. It comes highly recommended by a lot of different customers at the bookshelf. They've read this one and really liked it. It just, for whatever reason, is not one that I have made the time to read. So Book of Unknown Americans. Then Behold the Dreamers, which I feel like was an Oprah pick maybe a couple years ago. I think so. And I um, was always curious about it, but again, didn't read it. I feel like it came out at the same time as a lot of really great books, which I know is no excuse, but sometimes I think in the book selling world, you like have to pick a couple and you can't read them all. Um, But now that maybe it's a backlist title, I think it'd be worth worth trying. And then um, the new book that comes out in April, How Much of These Hills is Gold? Mm. Um, So I felt like this told a wide range of immigrant experiences. Um, The Book of Unknown Americans, I believe, is about the Mexican-American experience. Um, Behold the Dreamers, if I'm not mistaken, is about the African experience. I cannot remember what country, maybe Nigeria, but I am not 100% sure. And then How Much of These Hills is Gold is about the Chinese experience. But it is set in the 1800s during the gold rush. And so it's about these Chinese-American kids who have immigrated. Their father has died, and they are on a quest to bury his body. Sounds so good. That does sound good. Uh, So anyway, I feel like that's a wide range, um, both set in present day and in the past, and very different maybe cultural experiences. But I'd like to read all of them. Okay. A book set in your favorite decade. What's your favorite decade? Okay. This took a while to think about because I was one of those kids who were like, it's 70s day. And I'd be like, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> it is not seventies day. I we talked about this off air. I did not like dressing up, but I think about what my favorite decade is all the time. I that question has never <laughs> crossed my mind. <laughs> like never. Um, but I chose the twenties. The roaring twenties. That's one of mine as well. Is, is that what you chose? Uh, I did two. Oh, well, I didn't know I could do two. <laughs> well, I wanted to be covered in case we both picked the same one. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. I picked the 20s. It seemed both out of control and yet aesthetically sophisticated. Oh, it's beautiful. That's very poetic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but I kind of like that combination. Yeah. So I went with it. What books? Um. Okay. The Paragon Hotel was yes. set in the 1920s. And I thought it was really fascinating because this is about a girl who, first off, I ended up walking around my house talking in like a Harlem 20s accent, which translated <laughs> into April Ludgate after snake oh, juice yes, night snake juice. and just like babbling incoherently <laughs> because there's such good phrases that can come from that era. Uh-huh. I don't know any of them. But like, and this book, it made you like, I had to like look up some of the phrases because I was to like, know what, they meant. what does an egg and an eggshell mean? I don't, yeah. that wasn't it. But okay. like. So Lindsay Faye, it was it was really well done, and it was about this girl who fled like mafia Brooklyn in the twenties across the country to go into Oregon, which at the time had no idea it was illegal to be black in the state of Oregon. They just had white people there. Yeah, because they thought they could create the perfect state of without any like yes. My sorry, my yes. It's bad. No, it's bad. But their reasoning, they truly thought they were doing this for the better. They were like, no one will argue if we're all one color. Truly fascinating. Yeah. This is why it's important to read about state histories. Yes, it's so fascinating. That is bonkers. And she's led to the one, so the Paragon Hotel was the one hotel that was run and operated by African Americans at that time. Okay. And she ends up getting like hold held up there. Okay. Um, And then a kid goes missing and she, and they start to look for it. Such a good book though. Okay. Really, it is very good. And then obviously, like, The Great Gatsby. I was going to say, did you ever read – one of my favorite short stories of all time is Bernice Bob's Her Hair. Did you ever read that? I did not. The never even heard of that. It's it's by Fitzgerald, and it is truly a master – in my opinion, a masterful short story. It's delightful. Huh. Yeah, all about a girl I'll have to look hair. that up. Yeah. You find it online. I had a bob when I was in kindergarten. Did you? Yeah. I've had a bob my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at a bob. <laughs> And then the other one, it came out last year, I believe, but Gods of Jade and Shadow. Yes, this looks so good. It looks so good. Yes. And the more I read the description of it, I was like, how did I pass this yeah. up? Yeah, it looks right up your alley. Yeah, it really does. Because I, I do love anything with like Mayan Indians. Yeah. Such a fascinating. Such a, you have such specific interests. I love it yes. so much. And then everything else that does not fall under those interests, I'm like, mm, not interested doesn't at even all. matter. <laughs> Don't even care. Nope. Okay, I'll just add um, the Zelda Fitzgerald novel, Z. Oh, Z. Um, I really thought that was really good. It's by Teresa Ann Fowler. Um, then I did Pivot because I thought, well, you know what I love also? I love the 80s. I like, was thinking that like the yeah. 80s or the 90s. Yeah, like I Such love a good 80s movies, 80s, you know, aside from like problematic elements that now exist in past cultural experiences. Like I do love, <laughs> but I love like John Hughes movies. And so anyway, so I thought, okay, immediately we ride upon sticks, which I just read recently. Oh yeah. That's fun. Which I think Kate, um, former bookseller here was the one who said something about like, 
we write upon sticks like corrects maybe the past mistakes of 80s pop culture, but still is nostalgic and fun. Eleanor and Park, I totally forgot that book was set in the 80s. And I loved that book when it came out. I really did. And then a book that I wanted to read but did not. And I think it was supposed to be, I think publishers put it out, maybe Penguin Random House or somebody put it out because the rise of stranger things. Like I think it came out at the Mm. same time, but it's called heartbreaker and it is about a girl who, yeah, like bebops around town with her cassette player and like, yeah. And she loves uh, a white snake or whatever. Anyway, she's really into eighties culture and she lives in the eighties and it is supposed to be kind of a testament to eighties nostalgia. And so that looks really fun to me. I did not read it, but I think it would be fun. So those were some of mine. That's a fun list. Okay, very interested to see what you have to say about this category. Do sports. <laughs> sports. Sports. Sports book to prep for the Olympics. Let's have a moment of silence for the Olympics. Postponed until 2021. I am devastated. Are you going to be okay? No. I I don't. What am I supposed to do with the rest of this year? I honestly don't know. I re- What are any They've of us supposed to do? They've taken away everything we're looking forward everything. to. Everything. I really, I'm not trying to be dramatic about it because there is so much bad about COVID-19 and coronavirus. Like, I want to be clear, my sister-in-law is a nurse. I talked to her on the phone last night. I have concerns now. Uh, but but the sporting events are really... That's what's getting you the really most. It's really getting me. It's hard. We were on a FaceTime with my family last night, and I did not know the news about the Olympics. And all six of us were on FaceTime together, and I did start to cry. Oh, my like, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> where Jordan, That's a big moment. Annie Jordan, cried in public. Jordan had to hand me a handkerchief. Like, it was bad. <laughs> Wait, Jordan has a handkerchief? Yeah, he keeps a handkerchief. I love it. Do you? I love that about him, yeah. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I think Olivia's grossed out by that concept. Of my dad used to, and I was like, Meh. So my dad does, and I think one time I told Jordan, I was like, my dad always had a handkerchief, and like, I really, I remember in church occasionally using it. I don't remember as a kid, like, I don't know why, wipe my nose, beats me. But I always thought, that's so grown up, and like fatherly to have a handkerchief so jordan good for one. jordan yeah for hearing that and then being like i can yeah i can do that yeah so he hears a handkerchief okay uh anyways <laughs> sports books <laughs> what you got all right so my first book it came out 2018 whatever year the eagles won the super bowl okay um it's called Believe It by Nick Foles. He was the quarterback the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Olivia is an Eagles fan. Which I realized football may not be played in the Olympics, but then I was like, why isn't it? Well, and I have a football book as well. Because I, I oh, don't know the okay. answer to that question. I feel like I should know. Yeah, why isn't it? Or maybe every country doesn't, or maybe not enough countries have football teams. Yeah, like doesn't isn't it only America and Canada? Am I being an idiot? I don't know. I, I don't, honestly don't I know the answer to that question. Feel, yeah, because soccer is an Olympic Soccer sport. is. Yeah. But because the majority of countries yes. have to, Okay. Are I'm you not a sure. soccer fan? Um, <laughs> hard to say. <laughs> I like it sometimes. And then other times, I'm just like, can someone just score a goal? What's your favorite <laughs> sport? Um... <laughs> I do like tennis. Okay. Yeah. That would be, like, that's the one that I can watch for the longest amount of time. Oh, that is fascinating. Yeah. Jordan do have a Venn diagram of overlapping interests. Does he like tennis? He loves tennis. Interesting. I do like to play tennis, too. I am not good. Okay. But I do like to play tennis. Okay. 
Okay, and then my second book was, and I just gave this arc to Walt, and he was very excited about it, and yet these past two days that we spent at home, he picked it up once (laughs) for 15 minutes. Seven Days in Augusta by Mark Can Canizaro. This is all about the masters. The masters. Okay. Yeah, I'm so you knew that. Well, good <laughs> yeah. job. Yeah, thank you. And I would not have put that together. Okay. It's all about the masters, and it's not one specific masters, okay. but it's like what happens each day of the masters. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I thought so too. So it like them. starts day one, day two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a golf-heavy weekend for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I picked Friday Night Lights, which is about high school oh, football. I've so never funny. read it, and I loved that movie. But more importantly, I love that show. Have you and Walt seen that show? Walt, maybe? Oh, Myself, my I gosh. know I have not. We're tempted to do a rewatch this summer. Is it heavy? It feels like that's a heavy one. It is. It, it at least starts heavy. But gosh, Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor are hashtag goals. Like, they're so... It's so good. It's so good. Also, you don't you like Michael B. Jordan? Do I? I don't know. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> but, what is he from? Uh, Friday Night Lights. <laughs> And maybe I'm unsure what else Michael B. Jordan is in, to be honest with you. Huh. Cute guy. Okay, never mind. Anyway, um Maybe if I saw face. Really great show. But I've never read the book, so I'd like to do that. Boys in the Boat, when it came out, this is very Olympics adjacent because it's about um these young men who competed in the rowing category oh. of the Olympics, but right during World War II, which the Olympics during World War II are like right after, it's fascinating to me oh, because the world had literally just that. been, yeah, just been angry at each yes. other. Sports. And now they're coming together for sports. Interesting. Sports are important. Okay. So, anyway, that I never read Boys in the Boat. And that was one of those books that I think came out, must have been 2013 or 2014, because it was all the rage when I started working here. And I had not read it, but like every book club in town was reading Boys in the Boat. Huh. City Game, which is pretty new, came out last year because I, really I do that. have like this March Madness shaped hole in my heart uh, by Matthew <laughs> it's weird. Goodman. It's like a basketball or something. <laughs> It's uh, is it's true story of the 1949 to 1950 Harlem City College basketball team. They were a team made up of entirely uh, Jewish and African American players. They wound up competing in both the NIT tournament, which is like the nothing tournament. I think Jordan has said it is even called the Nitwit tournament. Aww. I'm sorry that that is a thing because that's sad. Uh, But then they also went to the finals in the NCAA tournament, which is bonkers to me. That means like they were severe underdogs and made it to the top. Very curious. I love a good underdog story. So it's called City Game by Matthew Goodman. And then last but not least, this might appeal to you, Open by Andre Agassi is his memoir. But I found it when I was, when I found this article in Esquire about best sports books of all time. And they were saying that Open is the most anti-sports book of all time because Andre Agassi wanted to talk about the awful aspects of like basically being a star athlete and the pressures and how it started when he was a toddler. And so it's supposed to be like this totally anti-sports sports book. And apparently his ghostwriter, normally you're given X amount of hours with a person you're writing a book with or about. And they instead spent like, 
days upon days together. Interesting. Yeah, I'm very curious. And I do not I do not share your interest in tennis. I would attend a tennis match, but I would not watch one on TV. Interesting. Uh, and so anyway, but this sounded really appealing to me because an anti-sports sports book, what's not to find interesting about that? Yeah, that would be a good take. Um, a movie, if anyone wants a good movie recommendation for a sports what? movie. Cool Runnings. Oh, I love Cool Runnings. Such a good movie. <laughs> Watched it last time I went home with my family and everyone so enjoyed good. it. It's so good. It's so I'm good. I'm glad to know it holds up because I haven't seen it in a while. It does. Well, we didn't get all the way through it because we were pretty tired, but like the beginning of it was <laughs> Your whole good. family is anti-movie. I, is this yeah. true? <laughs> Running so much. Okay, so this is Bookish Bingo. You can pick up a bingo card in store or you can find one on our Instagram stories if you want to complete it digitally. This is just to get you reading outside your comfort zone. Obviously, Olivia and I had categories that we loved and categories we had to stretch for. That's totally the point is to get you kind of reading outside your norms. Thank you so much, Olivia. Thank you. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Olivia, what are you reading this week? I am halfway through The Extraordinaries by T.J. Klune. Oh, he wait was a the author of yeah. House on, in the Cerulean Sea. Yeah, and this is his YA debut okay. about this kid who's obsessed with a superhero and gets the chance to meet him. And it's just this little quirky novel. Oh, that's fun about teenagers. I am reading. Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. This is her new book coming out this summer. I really like her. I've liked everything she's written before, so I'm excited about this book. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, you can tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly New Release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are so grateful for you, especially during these uncertain days, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.